If you've got a Bible, open with me to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus 20, uh, we'll read verses 1 to 12 together as we come back into the Ten Commandments this morning. Refresh us where we've been and then we'll take a look at verse 12 today. Beginning in verse 1 of Exodus 20, it says, And God spoke all these words, saying, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them. And rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and mother. That your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Now a couple of months ago when we started our series through the Ten Commandments. With a break there at Easter last weekend and Palm Sunday the weekend before. We said just remember the law was not given so that you could have a staircase to climb your way to God. And make yourself acceptable in His sight. It's not that we climb up to God by the doing of all the works of the law so that one day we could present our lives to God as perfect and God would accept us. Rather, what God has given us the law to show us is that we can never climb that staircase to Him, but He must come down the stairs to us in order to save us because we're never able to keep the law in and of ourselves. And so God sent one to keep the law for us and His name was Jesus And upon His incarnation and living in our place and dying in our place, being raised from the grave and ascended to heaven, we see the law now not as a stairway to heaven, but we see it as a pathway of freedom. That God's given us His design for life, how He's ordered our lives to work and function properly and best. And whenever we neglect it, we do so to our own demise. Whenever we receive it, we do so to our own blessing. And so as we work through the Ten Commandments, just remember they are a pathway to walk in the freedom God's provided for you as He saved you, not a stairway in order to earn your salvation. Now the first four commandments of the the, the ten, the top ten, right? The first four that we see there are all vertical commandments. They're command to have no other gods before God, have no false notions of who this true God is. To not take His name in vain and to remember the Sabbath. To recalibrate your heart and rest one out of every seven days. And then the second layer of the commandments that we we turn to this morning are the horizontal commandments. So they're not dealing necessarily with our relationship to God, but our relationship to others. And the very first one out of the gate that God gives through His servant Moses is to honor your mother and father. To honor your parents. And so we want to consider what this commandment means, how it should flush itself out in our lives, and how Jesus fulfills it and transforms it for us. So what is it? How does it work? 
And how has Jesus fulfilled and transformed it? So what is it, first and foremost, right? Um, I want you to consider this. If we're going to honor your mother and father, honor your parents, you have to see and recognize the weightiness of their role and their responsibility. The weightiness of their responsibility. Now the Hebrew word for honor there in the text is this, is the word kavod. Now that word literally translated as heavy or weighty. Now listen, kids, this is not right uh, a place to make a fat joke about your parents okay like it's not a your mama joke all right this this that's not what we're talking about here but the word literally means heavy or weighty and if you think of it this this way it's significance substance and when god says honor your mother and father the idea here is that you regard them with great importance and significance and influence in your life you don't dismiss their influence you don't dismiss their significance you don't minimize their importance or their influence upon you. You don't take their responsibility or their role in your life lightly. Because God's given them a weighty responsibility. He's given them a heavy role to fulfill. Let's see if I can break it down for you this way. Listen, when I grew up in southwest Louisiana, I grew up duck hunting in the marshes between Lake Charles or I-10 and the Gulf. Okay, and so we would travel down into the marsh every fall and we would hunt ducks, lots of ducks, big ducks, little ducks, right, brown ducks, white ducks, all kinds of ducks, right, mallards and pintail and teal, right, redheads and spoonbills, which are nasty, by the way, don't eat those. Um, but in, after we would shoot them and the dogs would retrieve them, they would bring them back to us in the blind and we would take them um, and we would clean them. Now to clean a duck, you have to defeather the duck. Some of you are like, where is this going? Right? But you have to defeather the duck. And not just the feathers, the big feathers, pluck those big feathers on the wings, the little pretty ones, but also the underbelly where they have this kind of a downy type uh, feather under there. And you just kind of pull and pinch at those feathers and they just come off in little bundles. But one of those little feathers by itself, or even little clusters of them as the wind would blow it would lift those feathers up into the air and it would just carry them along it seemed like for miles and miles it looked like it was snowing okay as you as we cleaned all these ducks which by the way we only shot our limits so don't but there was lots of us that hunted together and so there's this this cloud of feathers floating in the air and it seemed like even when the wind would settle those feathers would stay in the air because they were so light and so fluffy Stuff your pillow with them, you know? But, but listen, what, the, what, the, what God is saying to us is this, is don't look at the role and responsibility of your parents as if there's a feather, as if it's, as if it's light, and every breeze that blows from a different direction is going to push you away from honoring your mother and father. Right? Don't see them as a feather that just kind of floats along through the air, like at the end of Forrest Gump, that may be a dated reference, but that feather just kind of floats along and carries along through life. Don't see your parents that way in your life, but rather see your parents as if they are a foundational stone that God has placed in your life that your life is to be built upon. Now, let me be very clear this morning, okay? The Bible does call Jesus Christ our cornerstone, and there is no other cornerstone upon which you can build your life. In fact, there is no man or woman that can take his place in your life. There is no mother or father that can take his place in your life. He is the cornerstone to which everything else is aligned and built upon. But listen, he is not the only foundational stone in your life. God has placed mother and father in your life as a, as a foundation 
stone adjacent to Jesus in your life upon, and you build your life upon their wisdom and upon their example and upon their experience because they have been through things, they've seen some stuff that you ain't seen yet. Students, are you with me? <laughs> they've seen some stuff that you ain't seen yet. They've experienced things that you have no clue about yet in life. And so see them as a foundational stone that's significant and weighty and heavy, not as a feather just kind of floats away. Every time your friends say something, every time your classmates say something, every time your teammates say something, your parents' wisdom and instruction and commands just kind of float out of your head, but rather you're building your life upon them as they raise you, as the Scriptures call them to, in the fear and admonition of the Lord. All right, so see the weightiness of their responsibility if you're going to honor them. But here's what it looks like to honor them. First, let me give you four ways, four, four ways to honor them. First, to respect your parents. To respect your parents. And now listen, so these, these transcend age. Let me just go ahead and say that. Okay, these are not necessarily relegated to those who are youngest among us. But many of them transcend age. But you respect your parents. To respect your parents means that you address and you respond to them in a respectful way. Now, I've got a preteen in my home. And I've got one who thinks that she's 30 in my home. She's 8. Right? I've got those in my house. I know what it's like to have them respond to you and address you in ways that are less than respectful. And less than honoring. But li- so listen, if you're in here this morning and that's you, you find yourself in that position, I want you to think about the fact that respecting your parents, it's part of honoring them, seeing them as a weighty, substantive part of your life, to respect them means it includes the way that you think about them. The way you think about their role in your life. The way you think about the responsibility that God has given them. It includes the way you talk about them to other people. Okay, maybe in your, in your classes at school, maybe it's, maybe it's with other family members, maybe it's with other friends down the street, the way that you speak about them, but it also includes, listen students, it also includes the way you speak to them. The way that you speak to them. Right? Over and over again in our home, right, we have, we have had to use this, it, it sounds, I could just put it on a, a, like a DVD that just has the same track, or a CD has the same track repeating these words over and over and over again at times and seasons in our home where we look at our kids and we say, that is not an acceptable way to speak to us as your parents. Try that again. Try it again. Okay? Because a part of honoring your parents is speaking to them respectfully, speaking about them respectfully, and thinking of them in a respectful way. Second of all, you also obey your parents. You obey your parents. Now listen, we tell our kids, often one of the mantras in our home is to obey without delay. Mm, somebody gave me a little mm, on that one. Obey without delay. Okay? I don't know if you've ever been there, but particularly whenever it comes to screen time, um, I have, mm, there's another mm, right? I'm getting a lot of mm's this morning. But when it comes to screen time and it's time to shut down Netflix, whatever show they've been watching, it's time to shut down the video game they've been playing, right? whatever it is, it's time to shut it down. Your screen time is up. The timer's gone off, right? Google says it's time to quit. And you say, it's time, screen time's over, right? I, we tell our children they're allowed to appeal, but when the appellate court gives its ruling, 
um, than to obey without delay. Okay, that, we're, that, that it's not negotiation, that we're not telling you five and six and seven and eight times to obey, to listen and follow through with what we've asked you. Because obedience is doing what you're told, when you're told, and with a happy heart. Now that's an important one, right? Not a begrudging attitude, okay? Not a well, stomping off and slamming doors, okay? But with a, yeah, y'all are laughing because you've been there, right? But with a happy heart. With, a, with an attitude, a disposition, a respect, right? Because our parents know what's best for us many times before we can discern and determine what's best for ourselves. And so obey your parents. Third, show gratitude to your parents. Now, listen, kids, I don't know if you realize this, but your parents' idea of a relaxing weekend, okay, is not going to two birthday parties, sports practice, and then taking you to urgent care because you started running a fever the night before. That's not their idea of a relaxing weekend. And to be a parent requires oftentimes great sacrifice of time and energy and money and presence. Sacrificing the things that you thought that you were going to be able to do, but you're not able to do because this has come up in the life of your child. It requires great sacrifice. And so... The responsibility of being a parent because it requires all of that oftentimes. It would go so far to honoring your mother and father just to say simply thank you. To express gratitude for the ways they've invested in your life. And listen, this, again, this might transcend those of us who are in grade school or high school and include those of us who have grown parents to go to them every once in a while and say, thank you for the investment you made in my life. Thank you for the ways that you planted seeds in my life that are now coming to harvest for the ways that you showed me what it was like to parent these unruly and crazy little people in my home and the way that you parented me. Right? But to show gratitude for that. Oftentimes, our disposition of our heart is ingratitude, you know, despite the fact that our parents have sacrificed and given so much. Experienced it last night. I got home from a great event. And one of my children who remain nameless, I always do so bad at this, one of my children who remain nameless, so you can flip a coin, um, but said, can we stay up a little bit later? Well, it was like 9 o'clock, and Sunday mornings are an early morning for me. I don't know about you, maybe not for you, but for me they are. So I was like, no, we're going to shower, we're going to get in bed. We never get to do anything. <laughs> Let's think about that for a moment. <laughs> Where did we just come from? What did we do before that? Who'd you play with earlier outside today, right? All these things that we got to do today and last night, the party that you went to and all the things that you've been a part of, right? Instead of expressing my gratitude so quickly, it flows out of our minds, right? It's like a leaky faucet. It just keeps dripping and it just runs down the, down the, the drain <laughs> to this endless abyss. But what if you just stopped for a moment and said, thank you? It would be a great honor to your parents. Fourth, to care for your parents. To care for your parents, particularly as they enter old age. This might be speaking to some of you in the room who are in that position right now of caring for your parents as they age. As they enter old age and they're long, longer able to care for themselves. It's a part of honoring your mother and father. This might include financial provision for them as they enter into old age. 
Listen, there was a day, whether you recognize it or not, before there was Social Security and before there was 401ks and before there were retirement accounts. And, and in fact, in the ancient world, the investment strategy of a mother or father was to have as many kids as possible to care for them in their old age, to take them into their home and provide for them. And in fact, Jesus even seems to expect that in Mark chapter 7, verses 9 to 13, when he speaks to the Pharisees. Listen to what he says to them. He says, and, you say, and he said, Jesus said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your own tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and whoever reviles his father or mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corban. That was a term they used to say it was devoted to God. That it was given over to God. All my resources are given over to God. He says in verse 12, Then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your traditions that you have handed down and many such things you do. He says you stamp out and violate the command of God to fulfill your tradition, which was not recorded anywhere in the law, but you do so to your own demise and neglecting the responsibility that God has given you. There was an expectation of financial provision as parents entered into their old age in Jesus' day and time. But there was also an expectation that sometimes as our parents age, we recognize this, right? That father time is batting a thousand. Okay? He gets everyone at some point. And there's just, at some point, you're no longer able to do all the things that you used to be able to do. You no longer have the energy. You no longer have the strength. And so sometimes acts of physical service you engage in for your family when they can no longer do it for themselves. This may be where some of you find yourself right now. And if you're caring for your parents as they age, I want you to know that God is pleased. He looks upon that and smiles as you honor them, as you sacrifice for them. And I want you to know that if you find yourself in the room this morning and you're being cared for by your children, I want you to know that God is pleased with that. I think many, I, I, I'll speak for myself. As I envision approaching old age, I know there will be within my own heart a disposition of pride that says, I don't need help, let me be by myself. I've always taken care of my own needs. I've always been able to do this. I don't want to be a burden on you. But if that's where you are, if you're no longer able to do some of those things, acknowledging that and seeing that you're not a burden, but what God is doing is He's giving your children an opportunity to grow in character and compassion, to develop and to serve and return back to you all the things that you invested in them as they were being brought up. So caring for your parents is a part of honoring them being grateful for them, obeying them, and respecting them. So listen, how do we, if this is what it involves, how do we order our lives to make what the command says into a reality in our homes? Let me give you two things on that. First of all, first of all, I would say that you've got to expect, parents, you've got to expect honor from your children. You've got to require that they honor you. It's not me speaking, it's the Bible speaking. And when the Bible speaks on this, it goes counter, often in our culture, to the normative way of parenting. 
Because I don't know if you've noticed, but over the last generation, there's been a shift in parental strategy in Western culture, which we've gone from raising kids to be respectful and to be obedient and to be submissive and to be compassionate and to be grateful and empathetic to raising children who have high levels of self-esteem and what matters most is that they have self-confidence. I'm not saying that having self-esteem or self-confidence is a bad thing, but it's come at the cost of being compassionate, empathetic, thinking of the needs of others. And what's created is generations of narcissists who only see what's in it for them and themselves. In fact, an author by the name of Jean Twenge in her book, The Narcissism Epidemic, She says this, she says, it's increasingly common to see parents relinquishing authority to young children, showering them with unearned praise, protecting them from their teacher's critiques, giving them expensive automobiles, and allowing them to have the freedom, but not the responsibility that goes with it. Not that long ago, she says, kids knew who the boss was, and it wasn't them. It was mom and dad, and mom and dad weren't your friends, they were your parents. Yeah, there's been a shift in the culture. And the result of that shift has been the creation of what many would call child-centered homes where the whims and wishes of children direct the family because the parents have abdicated and relinquished their authority to them. So it's always about the kid. It maybe sound contradictory to what I said earlier. Parenting requires sacrifice sometimes of, of your energy, time, money, and preferences. But listen, if your life revolves around everything your kids want to do, everywhere your kids want to go, every choice and decision that your kids make, ultimately you have to comply with and move and fall in line to follow. Something is out of order in your home. It's out of order. See, God sees things differently whenever He says, honor your mother and father. Expect them to honor you. Teach them to honor you. And God takes this so seriously. Listen, consider a few other places this command shows up. It's not a one and done command in the Bible. Okay? It's not tucked away in some minor prophet with one half of a verse. In fact, it's a pretty large theme. Consider Deuteronomy 21, 18-21 where it says this, If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and though they discipline him, will not listen to them, then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring... You're like, yeah, I've done that. But you had not done this. And take him out to the elders of the city at the gate of the place where he lives, and they shall say to the elders of his city, this, is our, this, is, this son is stubborn. This our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He's a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones. God takes it seriously. There's this honoring your mother and father. Now listen, we don't live under these civil laws any longer in the Old Testament. It's been replaced with the church and discipline and encouragement toward holiness and rooting out sin and evil in our lives through accountability and community. But God takes this seriously. In fact, in Romans chapter 1, when God lists what, what Many of us might think of major league sins, right? Varsity sins. Listen to what he says in Romans 1, 28 and following. He says, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. 
They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. You're like, whoa! Mur- that, where, how does that make it into the list? Because God takes this seriously. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 3, we find it here. If children obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. See, over and over again, the Bible says expect honor from your children. Expect them to obey. Expect them to respect you. Don't allow them to speak to you in ways that are disrespectful and violate that and then never address it or correct it. Expect that they would exhibit some gratitude. Teach them to obey with a happy heart. Expect these things. But also, on the flip side of that, Ephesians 6 doesn't stop there. It goes on in verse 4 to say, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, this isn't a sermon on parenting, but while you're here. um, The the second thing, listen, if we're going to make this a reality in our lives and in our homes, not only do you expect honor from your children, but listen, as a parent, you reflect the authority of God. The benevolent authority of God. The kind authority of God. The gracious and loving authority of God in the lives of your kids. Listen, I heard one pastor say it this way on one occasion. He said, the goal of being a father is to raise your kids in such a way that when children discover that God is a father to them, that it is good news for that child and not bad news. That whenever they come to see that God is a father, they rejoice in that truth because their dad Because their father, because their parent has been present, has been loving, has been gracious, has been firm at times, has been corrective, has has disciplined them well. That it's good news for them. And so what that means for us is that we reflect the authority of God as parents, that we delight to exercise loving authority in our home. We don't hand it over to our children. Because when you hand it over to your children, here's what you will create. You will create kids who will be suspended and expelled and arrested (laughs) because they won't know how to submit to other authorities in their lives as well. Uh, They'll be in in school suspension, they'll be in detention, they'll be writing stuff on the board after school, they'll be in the principal's office, the vice principal's office, the counselor's office. Right? Whenever you hand over authority to your kids, that's, the, that's what you're nurturing in them. And so you exercise the authority that God's given you in the home, but reflect His good authority in the home. Right? So you, when you discipline your children, you don't discipline them out of anger. Now, I'm going to go ahead and be the first one to raise my hand and acknowledge and confess that there have been occasions in which in the heat of a moment that I have disciplined my children had to go back later and apologize for the fact that I disciplined them out of anger. But rather than disciplining them out of anger, what you discipline them out of is anguish. Out of a heart that wants to see them flourish and knowing that the patterns that you're seeing develop in their life as you bring correction, not out of anger, but out of anguish, that you're trying to steer them toward 
a future in which they could flourish. In which they're yielded to God and submissive to Him. Whenever they're recognizing other authorities in their life and the healthy way that they're interacting with those. So we expect honor from our children. We reflect the authority of God. And this commandment is so significant. That, and we want to reflect His authority. Because listen, in the world, God has given, He's ordered the world in such a way that the authority structures He places in the world are to be a reflection of His authority over the world. And so listen, parents, I'll say, speak to the parents first and then to the kids. Parents, whenever you exercise and reflect the authority of God in your children's life, you're, you're submitting to God's good design. His good order for creation. The way He's designed life to work in this world. So don't push back and say, somebody else can do that. No, step in. Regardless of the friction that it creates, because it will. But step into that. And fulfill the role that God has given you as an authority in your child's life. Lovingly, graciously, correctively. But listen, kids. Kids, if you have, if you struggle honoring your mother and father, and if you speak to them in disrespectful ways, if you're not grateful for the things that they've done in your life, if you don't obey whenever they require something of you, then listen, let me just go ahead and say this, with very, very few exceptions, your problem is not with your parents, your problem is with your God. It's with your God. Because He's placed them over your life as an authority to teach you what it is to obey and submit and respect Him first and foremost and other authorities in your life. That's a part of their job. That's why, right, they're not a feather just kind of floating along. They're a stone, a foundation that God's given you to build your life upon. To disobey your parents' authority is to reject God's authority. To reject God's authority. Augustine said it this way. He said, if anyone fails to honor his parents, is there anyone he will spare? In other words, is there anyone that he won't spurn? Is there anyone that he won't reject and rebel against? Now, some of us may have some ob objections to this, right? What about abusive authorities? What about abusive authorities? It's a very real and present danger, isn't it? Absolutely. If there's an abusive authority that, that, that violates or, 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 or threatens your, the sanctity of your own life, obviously, obviously there are limits and boundaries. God has given us governing authorities to provide a way of escape from abusive authorities. Right? That's why there are things like CPS. It's why there are things like, like prisons. I'm not making a joke, but I'm being very real. God's given us governing authorities to deal with abusive authorities. And so you don't stay under abusive authority in your life, but you bring it up the chain to the governing authorities and allow them to deal with the abusive authority in your life. What about sinful authorities in our lives? Listen, at the end of the day, we must obey God rather than man. 
In fact, Jesus says it this way in Luke 14, 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And what Jesus is saying by that is this. That if your love for him does not supersede, does not come before your love from even, even your closest familiar relationships, so that if they would ask you to do something and follow them into sin and you follow them out of your loyalty to these close family ties that you have to them, the blood that's thicker than water, right? You follow them into sin, then you're in sin against God. If they, if they ask you to follow them into sin, you say, no, there's a boundary that I'm going to draw here. And I'm going to honor God rather than man. And so God's given us governing authorities to deal with abusive authority, and there are boundaries that we draw not following sinful authorities into sin. If you could think of others, I'd love to visit with you about them afterwards, but outside of those two. God says, expect honor from your children. And reflect the authority of God in children. Honor, respect, obey your parents. Now, as we close this morning, let's think a little bit about how Jesus fulfills and transforms this command that we're given in Exodus 20. Because Jesus perfectly, perfectly honored his Father. To the very end. Perfectly fulfilled the command. See, oftentimes whenever we think about why Jesus went to the cross, one of the first things that comes to our mind is because of his love for us. And yes, it was because of his love for us. But listen, that's not the only reason Jesus went to the cross. He went to the cross to fulfill the plan and purposes of His Father that were laid before the foundations of the world. In fact, in John chapter 14, verses 28 and following, listen to what Jesus says to His disciples. He says, You heard me say to you, I am going away and I, will, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. He says, the ruler of the world, Satan is coming. He's coming to end my life, but he has no claim on my life because I'm going into this crucible. I'm walking down this path. I'm headed toward this cross because I'm obeying the Father's command. Because I'm honoring my Father. I'm submitting to my Father. See, Jesus perfectly fulfills this command. And as a result, you saw it's the first command with a promise that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God is leading you to. Listen, Jesus in perfectly honoring His Father, though He died at the cross last weekend, what do we celebrate? That Jesus is risen from the grave. So not only does He live long, but He lives forever and ever and ever for all the ages to come, for all of eternity, because He's been raised from the grave. God the Father honored Him, and He has long life for all the ages to come, not only in the land, but over the land. So that He rules and reigns over all creation. There is nothing that will escape His authority, because God has been pleased to honor Him as such. So listen, Jesus perfectly fulfilled this, and God honors that. 
See, Jesus, who perfectly honored his father and is now over all the land, he was treated as a rebellious son so that you and I, who are rebellious sons and daughters, we could be treated as those who have honored God perfectly. And we could be received into his presence and know him and walk with him and have him as our God. He fulfills it, but not only is it fulfilled, he transforms it and changes it. Listen, consider this with me. Jesus says if you know him and put your faith and trust in him, not only do you have your sins forgiven, but you've been brought into a new family. You've been brought into a new family. God as your father, and you have Jesus now as your elder brother. And we've got crying infants as well in this new family, which is a good thing. Amen. Right? But in the church, you have the in the church you have Older women who are now mothers and older men who are now fathers. You have peers who are now brothers and sisters. You have younger women and younger men who are now sons and daughters. This is how the Bible, one of the ways the Bible envisions the church as a family. And because of Jesus, God has brought us into this new family. In fact, in Mark chapter 3, whenever Jesus is there in in, in a house teaching and there's a great crowd pressed around him, and he's got some of his disciples there in the room with him, and his, his biological family shows up, right? His mother and brothers show up, and they're there saying, Jesus, you've got to come with us. Right? They think Jesus is crazy. Okay? They, they think that he's lost his marbles, which might be an encouragement for some of you based on your families, right? They think you're a little crazy too. But they think he's crazy, and Jesus looks at those who are gathered there around him listening to his teaching, and he says, listen, this is my mother. These are my brothers. Those who do the will of God, they are my family. Jesus transforms our understanding of family because while blood is thicker than water, faith is thicker than blood. That's what the Bible teaches. There's this new family. In fact, Peter, let me land the plane. Peter says in Mark chapter 10, Peter said to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. We've left family, we've left lands, we've left houses, we've left inheritances. We left everything and followed you. And Jesus says this to them. He says, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left houses or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. Jesus says, In the age to come, It will be all glory. Now, there's persecutions, but you receive a hundredfold what you left behind. So listen, if if your decision to follow after Jesus and order your life around Him has cost you relationships, because this may be a sinful authority in your life, how was your, your biological family? Maybe it was a mother or a father that was a sinful authority in your life, and you had to break with them in order to follow Jesus. Jesus says, I want you to know you've got a hundred mothers in the church. You've got a hundred fathers in the church. Maybe you've lost a sibling on account of your decision to follow Jesus, and Jesus says, You've got a hundred brothers and a hundred sisters in the church. Maybe you had an abusive father or an abuse or an addicted mother. And Jesus says, I want you to know that out of that broken family that God is stitching you back together with this new family with a hundredfold of blessings as you press into the people that God has brought into your life through the church. That's good news in a culture that's filled with broken 
families. Let me say one final word. You're like, sure, go for it. One final word. And it's about the elderly among us. About the elderly among us. Let me encourage those of you who are younger to honor them. To honor them. Right? There are men and women in, who are part of our church body that have volumes of wisdom to dispense. And maybe, perhaps, they're just waiting for some of us who are a little wet behind the ears just to ask. Just to ask. Tell me your story. You know what you've seen in life. Your experiences. Here's where I am. I imagine you've got a lot to say about that. Give me some insight. Give me some input. Honor them. Receive their wisdom. Seek them out. And listen to those of you who are older in age, who are part of our family of faith. See yourself as a father and a mother in the faith. Pray with and for those younger sons and daughters that you might have in this congregation. Let it be a beautiful thing to see these types of mentoring relationships flourish and blossom where those who have more gray than brown are mentoring those who have more brown than gray, no matter what coloring product you might use. It'd be a beautiful thing. All right, honor those who are older. Honor them. Seek them out. And listen, if you're one of those who finds yourself as a seasoned saint, do not think that your best years are behind you. Because by God's grace, they may be right here as you're able to shepherd and mentor and counsel and dispense wisdom and advice and disciple those who are younger in the faith. Gosh, it's a beautiful vision for the church. Don't regard yourself too lightly. And listen, even some of us grown adults, don't regard them as a feather. But as one of those foundational stones adjacent to Christ, the cornerstone upon which God has given us to build. It's the fifth commitment. Fifth commandment, first horizontal one, honor your mother and father. Respect, obey, be thankful, and care for them. And parents, expect that from your children. Reflect God's benevolent authority in their life, not as a cruel, oppressive dictator, but as one who's willing to correct and discipline and nurture and care for them so that God's authority might be honored in their life. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you today for the clarity of your word, for the way that you leave nothing that's necessary for life and faith to chance for us to figure out on our own. But you've given us the treasure of your word, And Father, I pray that as it's gone this morning, I pray that it would find fertile soil in the hearts and lives of those who are in this room. I pray for those in this room who are students, whether they be in grade school, middle school, high school, I ask, Father, 
that you would give them the grace to honor their parents. They would honor them all the way up to the line of sin. And I pray that you would give grace to their parents to reflect the humble, gracious authority that you exercise in our lives and expect their children to come under that. Father, we thank you for the way that your son, the Lord Jesus, perfectly fulfilled this command in our place and now he is the inheritor of the promise so that he lives forever, ruling over all nations, tribes, tongues, and peoples. And in him, no matter how broken our familial experiences are in the past, you might stitch us back together a hundredfold in this life with the hope of full healing in the age to come. So Father, as we sing this morning, help us to acknowledge our dependence upon you, to walk in obedience to this command, so we might live on the path of freedom, we pray in Jesus' name.